Good evening. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday night as we continue our online services through the book of Jeremiah, Wednesday nights. There is a lot that we're going to look at tonight as we begin in chapter 38 of the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to see that uh, tonight we're going to look at the fall of Jerusalem. So if you get your Bibles ready, Jeremiah chapter 38, we'll begin reading there. Keep in mind as we go through these books of the Old Testament and, and Jeremiah, that it's not just a history lesson of what's taken place 2,500 years ago, 2,600 years ago, but they speak to us today in the, in the time that we're living to our nation as well. And, and I think that we're going to see that most clearly as we continue here uh, in our text, our study tonight. I do want to pass along a couple quick announcements. We're continuing to do registration for our services on Sunday, so 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. That's for the children's ministry and for the sanctuary. The backyard's going to be open uh, for all three services. You do not have to register for the backyard if you bring your own chair and uh, umbrella and enjoy the fall weather. Uh, all three services, uh, the TV is out there, the speaker for you uh, to uh, be in the backyard and set up your chair. We're going to do that for another two weeks, this uh, Sunday and then the last Sunday in September. Then we're going to stop doing that as we move into October. But if you can register for the kids, and then 9.30, 11 o'clock is the middle schoolers when they meet. The middle schoolers do not have class at 8 o'clock service. And so get registered. We'd love to see you on Sunday morning. It's been wonderful to be able to come in, to be able to worship, and to gather together as God's people. I know it's been challenging over the last six months, but we're moving forward in this way. And uh, I'd love for you to... Come if you can. Those of you who are, are listening on uh, online uh, to our live stream on our website or uh, Calvary Chapel Greeley Facebook, uh, we're so glad that you can do that. And we're blessed that we have the technology so we can stay connected. And we want to encourage you to continue to watch online, to continue to join us on Sunday mornings. And of course, welcome for this Wednesday night as well. The e-bulletin has all the things that are taking place here at Calvary Chapel as we have small groups that are meeting during the week and young adults on Friday, high school on Saturday evenings. Uh, We are also doing Bible studies on Tuesday, uh, most excellent way on Monday night. And so we want to remind you of all that. Also, Grief Share is going to start a new session, uh, Joan, on Zoom. It'll be Zoom. It will not be in person. And you can look at all the details on our e-bulletin that is available for you. And uh, they are going to be starting, I believe, the last Saturday in September. It's 25th or 26th, one of those days. And uh, take a look at that for more specific information. And um, I think that's all I really need to pass along. We're still looking for uh, those of you who would like to help in cleaning in between services because we do some cleaning or uh, helping out with the children or during the week doing some cleaning. And let us know. Uh, call the church office, ask for Pastor John, and he'll help you with that and, and, uh, and tell you all the information that you need to know. So, Father, we do ask that you'd bless this time in the study of your word. I I thank you for um, this connection, the technology that we have, that we can uh, have the service online and people can gather around 
their mobile devices or their computers and to uh, join us as we study uh, the book of Jeremiah. And I pray that you touch our hearts because we are living in very dire days. We are living in very unique times. And Jeremiah was faithful to give the word of God, even though it was hard for people to hear and, and those whose hearts were not right towards God. And he was persecuted for it. And Lord, we live in a day where uh, those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That is a promise from Scripture. But Lord, we also know that there's blessing. And we know that we are to fear you over fearing man. So bless us t tonight as we study your word, as we go over these chapters. Uh, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We see here that Jeremiah, he's been ministering for nearly 40 years. He's been giving the word of the Lord to the house of Judah that you are to turn back to the Lord. Quit following the dictates of your evil heart. And they refused to do that. The leaders refused to do that. Of course, it was Jeremiah that started his ministry during the reign of Josiah, who was a godly king. But after the death of Josiah, his sons came on the throne and, and they were ungodly. Godly. And we know that Jehoiakim, that he was reigning uh, for 11 years during the time that Babylon came in for the first time in 605 BC and began to take the choice men of Judah away captive and some of the treasuries of the temple as well. We know that he would rule until about 598 BC, right before the second deportation or the second time that Nebuchadnezzar comes into Jerusalem. And it is believed that perhaps because Jehoiakim was in rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar, he was not a good king. We saw uh, just recently in our study that uh, even last week that he's the one that the scroll uh, th that uh, was written by uh, Jeremiah uh, was given to him the word of the Lord and he ignored it. He took out his knife and he chopped it up and threw it in the fire. And he thought he could dismiss the word of God and we know that we can't do that. And I just want to remind us at this time in our study as we hear the word of God I, I pray that it would cut us to the heart. That it would touch our hearts because the word of God is uh, you know, like a two-edged sword, the book of Hebrews says. It's alive and powerful, piercing our hearts. And then uh, I pray that our hearts are cut as we hear the word of God, taking it into our hearts. But we would never take the word of God and cut it out of our lives. And, and Jehoiakim thought he could do that. He could dismiss the word of God, cut up the scroll, throw it in the fire. But it was Jeremiah that he had his scribe write down the prophecy again and then add some things. And the message that Jeremiah has been given to the nation, of course, has been because of your refusal to turn to the Lord, that captivity is coming by the Babylonians. Well, Jehoiakim, it is believed that Nebuchadnezzar was going to come in and destroy Jerusalem and the people People would uh, assassinate Jehoiakim, throw him in the garbage heap, and that appeased Nebuchadnezzar. So he comes in in 597 BC, and he takes away Ezekiel and some more people away captive. So who is left in the land is those in Jerusalem. There are those who are working uh, the fields, the, the vineyards, the, the land there in Judah. Uh, the 70 years of captivity has already begun in 605 BC. We continue to fight. 
536 BC, and the last king of Judah is Zedekiah. Zedekiah rules for the last 11 years. He is a weak king, and as we have seen that once again that Jeremiah had the same word to give the Zedekiah as he did to Jehoiakim, and that is turn away from your evil and turn to the Lord and don't rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. And as we're going to see that that word's going to be reiterated to him, even up to the last point of the Babylonians coming into Jerusalem to destroy Jerusalem, we know that Zedekiah would not heed the word of the Lord to not rebel against Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon. If you do, uh, Jeremiah says, then death and destruction and devastation is going to happen at a large scale, and you're going to be carted off to Babylon, and your family is going to be killed, Zedekiah. So it's interesting. The word of the Lord we give to whoever, um, and it is something that we give to whether they're uh, somebody of prominence or to uh, the people in our family family or we go to school with, we work with, whoever it might be. And it's the same word that is given, just as the same word was given to Jehoiakim, it was given to Zedekiah. So let's begin to look at this. And it's interesting because as we open up chapter 38, we see that Jeremiah is in a dungeon. And it speaks of four uh, high-ranking officials that are named here. There's Sephatiah and Gedaliah that is mentioned there in verse 1. Jukal, or that is Juhukal, that was mentioned in the previous chapter. And Pasher, the son of Micaiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken to all the people, saying. So as we look at these four individuals, we know that uh, Sephatiah, the first one mentioned here, there's no other mention of him, I believe, in the scriptures. We don't know anything about him, except that he's part of uh, these four uh, high-ranking officials that are in Jerusalem. Gedaliah, uh, the son of Pasher, Pasher was the one who beat Jeremiah in chapter 20. And then you have Jehuchal. We saw him, as I've already mentioned in the previous chapter. He inquired of Jeremiah about the siege. And then Pasher uh, here, not of chapter 20, but in chapter 21, he would um, inquire of Jeremiah concerning the Babylonians' attack. So it has been Zedekiah that has sent some of these high-ranking officials to come to Jeremiah and and ask him about the Babylonians. What's going to happen? Speak a word. Tell us, but yet they would rebel against it. And they would see Jeremiah as one who was harming the nation as we would continue on in verse 2. Thus says the Lord, he who remains in the city shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence. And But he who goes over to the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a price to him, and he shall live. And thus says the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hands of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. As we consider this, one of the things that uh, interests me is as we go through this chapter, we're going to see that Zedekiah, that he really is a weak king. Uh, he keeps asking Jeremiah, can you speak a word? Uh, what about these people that are coming against me, that conspire against me. He's only concerned about his own hide, his own life. And we know that Zedekiah would ignore what Jeremiah is saying here. And Jeremiah is saying, you need to surrender. If you surrender, you will live. And of course, the application for you and for me is, is that as we surrender to Jesus Christ, we will live. The key 
to living is surrender and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, our lives to him, if we are going to live. And we talked a little bit about it on Sunday, that Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you need to lose it. And, and if you lose your life, you're, you're going to find eternal life as you deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. So that is an obvious application for us today. But also know this, that as we walk in the ways of the Lord, as we're obedient to the word of the Lord, that you're going to experience that life abundantly. You're going to live the way that God desires for you to live. You're going to live in the right way. You're going to live in a way that is going to bring blessing and comfort and wisdom and direction and guidance and strength. All those things that the Lord desires to work into our lives as we are surrendered to him. But as we look at this, we're going to see that Zedekiah is a weak king. He really doesn't have much power. We're going to see that um, the, there's anarchy going on with these four guys that are going to persecute uh, Jeremiah and, and Zedekiah really can't do anything about it. He says, you know, there's not a whole lot I can do. And, and it just shows how there's anarchy going on. There's confusion going on. Uh, Zedekiah is, is a weak leader. But it does remind me of what we were seeing e even in our own nation, in our own cities, don't we? We see today in our own cities there's been an increase of anarchy. There are those who uh, are not listening to the governing authorities. There are those who are uh, coming against uh, law and order. And there's more lawlessness that is happening. And we're watching some of the mayors of these large cities in our own nation that they're weak leaders. They, they are not leading. They're losing power. They, uh, they don't know what to do. They're very confused. And it just, as I look at the parallel here, here the leader of Jerusalem, he's weak. He doesn't know what to do. He's very confused, just as we're seeing leaders today, because they are not giving themselves over to the Lord. And there's confusion, and there's lawlessness, and there's anarchy that is going on. So here we see that taking place. And as we continue, what do these guys do is they hear this um, message. It's the same message that he's been given. Uh, the word of God doesn't change. Um, people will try to change God's word to fit their, you know, uh, theme in life, to, to fit what they believe. And you and I are to always be faithful to the word of God today. Even as culture changes, as times change, as it gets uh, more perilous, our days in which we are living in, uh, as we see that there's more lawlessness, people are coming against the ways of the Lord. They don't want to hear it. They want us to change our message. But our message is repentance unto God to salvation through Jesus Christ, to live for him, to stand for righteousness. And Jeremiah was here trying to help the nation and they are saying that you're hurting the nation. Therefore, the princess in verse 4 said to the king, Please let this man be put to death. Speaking of Jeremiah, for thus he weakens the hands of the men of war who remain in this city in the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. And then Zedekiah the king said, Look, he is in your hand, for, you, uh, for the king can do nothing against you. In other 
afterwards, Zedekiah, who's the king, he says, I have no power. There's nothing I can do. Uh, you know, he, it is what it is, and you do what you are going to do to him. So they took Jeremiah, verse 6, and cast him in the dungeon. And Malachiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison, and they let Jeremiah down with ropes. And in the dungeon, there was no water but mire. And so Jeremiah sank in the mire. So here they're saying that, hey, he's harming the nation with this message. And of course, Jehoiakim would say the same thing because he's speaking of judgment. He's speaking of, of captivity. He's speaking of the Babylonians that are going to come and take us away. And, and people today say to you and to me as Christians, they say, shut up, Christian. We don't want to hear the gospel. We don't want to hear the message of truth and righteousness that you are declaring from your Bible, God's word. They tell us that we're harming them. We're telling, you know, we're being uh, told to be quiet and, and keep it to yourself when we are to proclaim the gospel and the truth of God's word. And they don't want to hear truth. And they say that we're harming people rather than helping people. And I just want to remind us that are listening here tonight, listen, Christian, that you are helping people as you give the gospel and the truth of God's word. We are not helping them. We are harming them if we just, you know, compromise the word of God. If we just go with what culture says and the world's philosophy. Matter of fact, Paul said to the Colossian believers, you're going to get cheated if you do that. And you're going to cheat others if you are uh, diminishing the word of God and the truth of God's word. Because in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So here Jeremiah has stuck to that message. And people might say that, that we're being judgmental or being critical or, or whatever the case, intolerable, exclusive, all these things. But we are not helping people unless we are giving them the truth of God's word. So Zedekiah is too weak to stand up for what is right. And he gives into the pressure. You do what you want to to Jeremiah. And they put him into this pit, this cistern that had no water. And the reason that probably it didn't have any water is because there's drought. There's been drought that has come to a nation. It's a horrible place to be. And Jeremiah would be in great danger here. It is uh, a place where if it did rain, that the rain could uh, fill up that cistern. The cistern was just a, a, a rock uh, you know, cavern in the ground to where the rain comes and it fills up that cistern full of water. It, it, would, it was supposed to hold the water. And he could drown in that. He's down in the muck. He's down there in the mud. Uh, starvation could come to him. There's already a ration of bread that we saw in the previous chapter. Uh, he's in this dark, uh, damp place. And he is there because he's been faithful to the Lord. It reminds me so much. Here's Jeremiah in this cistern, this hole in the ground, uh, in the muck and mire. You go to the New Testament, Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle, in his first imprisonment in Rome, he was under house arrest. As you end the book of Acts, as Paul went through, you know, over two years of this legal uh, process that started in Acts chapter 21, he appealed to Caesar, and he goes from Caesarea in Israel to Rome. That's where the book of Acts ends. And then what we see is that uh, he's under house arrest for two years, waiting to go on trial before the emperor of Rome, Caesar Nero. And 
Two years, he's chained to a Roman guard. He's uh, in a house. He's uh, able to see guests. He writes the prison epistles of Philippians and Philemon and Ephesians and Colossians. He would stand before Caesar Nero. We don't have that record uh, in the scriptures, but he would be released. It would be later on, about five years later after that, that he would be rearrested as Caesar Nero begins to persecute the Christians very heavily. And he has Paul put into a cistern, uh, this hole in the ground, uh, the Manertine dungeon is what they called it, to where they dropped him in. They put ropes around him and lowered him down and it would be dark and damp and a little bit of straw in a corner where he would lay on. Uh, He, in his last words in 2 Timothy, as he writes to Timothy during that time, he says, Timothy, bring my coat, bring the cloak. It's it's cold, it's damp down here. There'd be a little bit of running water if you dare drink from it. It smelled of human waste. It was a terrible, terrible place for him to be. But what catches my attention as I read 2 Timothy chapter 2 is that we see that Paul doesn't complain about the situation that he is in. He, he, he doesn't, you know, complain about even Caesar Nero. But he writes to Timothy his last words. And he says, Timothy, my departure is at hand. And, and I, I'm going to uh, be taken up. I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my race. But he encourages Timothy and the Christians, you know, keep fighting the good fight. Uh, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You're like, the athlete that is competing in uh, a race. You, you must be like the hardworking farmer that is to partake of the crops. And he just talks about being an approved worker of God. Uh, be diligent to present yourself, approve to God, a worker who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He just is encouraging Timothy in his walk with the Lord, in his ministry, in his godly character. And no, Timothy, perilous times are coming in the last days, and there's going to be a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, um, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, be turned aside to fables. So Paul keeps focus on the Lord. He keeps focus on ministering to Timothy, that Timothy, I am handing the baton on to you, and Timothy, you are to keep running, and you're to keep fighting, and, and you're to keep planting, keep plowing. And that's what I want to do is I've been in ministry for nearly 30 years now. As I get older, I want to keep going as long as I can. But I also know that if the Lord tarries, there's going to be the time where I'm going to be passing the baton on to the younger generation. And I want to stay focused on those things of the Lord and, and encouraging them. You keep fighting. You are going to be planting. You are to be one that you're to, to keep uh, fighting and, and that's what I want to do. And to know this, that you are to be a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent to show yourself approved. Um, Make sure that you're ministering in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Paul said, you know my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose. You know my love, my perseverance. I want to be that example to the younger generation. And listen, for those of you who are older, we are going to be passing the baton on to the younger generation. And we want them to be strong in the Lord, be focused on the Lord, be encouraged in the Lord in every way. I think that's a very important word. 
And here's Jeremiah. He's in a pit now. He's in the muck and the mire as he's in this cistern that he has been dropped down into. But as I think about this as well, that uh, I know that, uh, that uh, Jeremiah, early in his ministry, you recall, and I'll read it to you, that in chapter 2, verse 13, that the Lord said to the house of Judah, for my people have committed two evils, for they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Those cisterns were to hold water. And here is the spiritual analogy is given to the people of Judah. You have forsaken the fountain of living waters. You have hewn out cisterns that doesn't hold any water it's broken you are broken spiritually and they were to take of the living waters even as Jesus would say to the people there in Jerusalem 600 years later that he would say that those of you who are thirsty come to me and drink and out of your your innermost will flow torrents of living water as we go to him and take it to fountains of living water, even as Isaiah had said to the people, and you know the verse in Isaiah chapter 55, is such a wonderful chapter that is there, that he would say, Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. And why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for that does not satisfy. So this incredible verse Isaiah said 100 years previous to Jeremiah. And, and Isaiah said, why do you go and drink of that which does not satisfy? It was Jesus that said to you and to me that he's the living waters for you and I to drink that I am the bread of life, and whoever comes and eats of me and drinks of me shall never thirst and never be hungry. You will not find true satisfaction and fulfillment in this life without Jesus Christ. It may be temporary, but God made us to fellowship with him and to walk with him. And great is the day when we discover that, when we make that our own. So the question tonight is, what are you hungry for? Are you thirsty? Where are you going to quench your thirst? Are you going to the world? Are you going to the latest trends, the worldly things, what culture is saying? Or are you going to Jesus Christ? Because Jesus told the woman at the well, uh, Jacob's well, you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. And if you drink of the water of the world, you are going to thirst again. But I have living water is what Jesus said, and you will never thirst again. It doesn't mean that we won't go through difficulties or challenges or hard times or losses. But we drink of the living water that deep in our soul and in our hearts we're satisfied because we are made to fellowship with him. And we will discover that there's nothing else that satisfies like Jesus. There's nothing else that, that fills us like Jesus. And here is Jeremiah dropped in this cistern, and, and it's in the muck and mire because they had built cisterns that could hold no water. And he's in a dangerous place. And so I just want to say that if you reject the Lord and reject the word of God, listen, that that's when you will truly find yourself in the muck and mire of the world. So Jeremiah in this difficult place, but, but God is still working. And we read here as we continue on in uh, this chapter in verse 
7, when all the captains of the armies, uh, let me go back to chapter 38. Now when Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon when the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin, that Ebed-Melech went out to the king's house and spoke to the king, saying, verse 9, My lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they've cast into the dungeon, and he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. So this eunuch from Ethiopia, Ethiopia had access to the king, and apparently the king didn't know ex- exactly the, the plan that was carried out against Jeremiah. So this Ethiopian eunuch intercedes for Jeremiah, says the prophet's in the dungeon, he's going to die, there's no more bread, he's in a terrible place, and he goes on to say um, that, uh, that Jeremiah's in great danger. So, verse 10, the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, take from here 30 men with you, and left Jeremiah, the prophet, out of the dungeon before he dies. So Zedekiah says, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to take 30 men, go to Jeremiah, and listen them out of the dungeon. Now, it wasn't that it took 30 guys to lift them out, but he took these 30 guys in case there's opposition. Again, there's anarchy going on. Uh, you're just going to have to take some security with you because these uh, officials that put them in are going to probably come against you and fight against you. So you got to bring some extra men with you. And then verse 11, so Ebed-Melech took the men with him, went into the house of the king under the treasury, took from their old clothes and old uh, rags and let them down by ropes into the dungeon to Jeremiah. And Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, please put these old clothes and rags under your armpits under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. So they pulled Jeremiah up with the ropes and lifted him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. So they're there. Um, They uh, stood guard. They pulled Jeremiah out and put him in a better place. But Jeremiah, at the end of persecution, isn't over for him. As I said, that Paul writes that those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And Jesus said that they will hate you because they first hated me. That a servant isn't above his master. And as we do live for the Lord, and as we're faithful to the word of the Lord and giving it to others, that there is going to be opposition against us to some degree. And many of you, you've experienced it, but that could increase as we keep moving forward closer to the return of the Lord. And I remember saying this to, you know, the congregation here uh, as we've gone over the prophecies of uh, the scriptures, as we've talked about the return of the Lord, that it could be very well that persecution is going to increase as we get closer to the rapture of the church. I pray for revival. I pray there's a great awakening, but as I see that it may come out of persecution, really. And we're seeing that, um, I think that hostility is coming more towards Christians and the church even more in our nation. I, I pray it turns around. I pray there's a great awakening. We are to pray for leaders for our nation, but it could be very well that we're going to see more of that as we move forward um, in the days ahead. But as we continue in this chapter, in verse 14, then Zedek, or 
Zedekiah, verse 14 of the chapter 38. The king sent and had Jeremiah the prophet brought to him in the third entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah that I will ask you something. Hide nothing from me. And Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, if I declare it to you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I will give you advice, will you not listen to me? So Zedekiah the king swore secretly to Jeremiah saying, as the Lord lives who made our very souls, I will not put you to death, nor will I give you in the hand of those men who seek your life. The temple area apparently had uh, three entrances, it is believed, at this time. One was for the people, one was for the priest, and the other one was for the king. So once again, the king wants to hear from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says to him, uh, you're not going to listen to me. And, and, and you're going to hand me over to those guys that want to kill me. And, and I'm sure that Jeremiah is frustrated. He's wondering, why do you keep coming? And, and it puzzles us, doesn't it? Sometimes we'll have somebody in our life that will keep coming to us. What does the Bible say? And we give them the word of the Lord over and over again, but they're not interested in learning. They're not interested in obeying. They're not, list, they're not truly listening. They're not taking it to themselves. Somehow, sometimes they think maybe the message will change. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, I'll get a message that is more favorable for me. Uh, and we see that Zedekiah once again comes back. He has no interest in being obedient to the Lord. It's the same message, the same word. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will never change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word of the Lord will last forever. And the message is the same as, you know, he gave before. He said, you won't listen to me. You won't listen to me. And I'm sure he's feeling frustrated. And Jeremiah in verse 17 said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if, surely, if you surely surrender to the king of Babylon's princes, uh, then you sh soul shall live. This city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. So the word is the same. Zedekiah surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar. And if you do, the city's not going to be destroyed. The temple's not going to be destroyed. The city's not going to be burnt, and you're going to live. Um, but, verse 18, if you do not surrender to the king of Babylon, then this city shall be given to the hand of the Chaldeans. They shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hand. Very simple message, not hard to understand. It hasn't changed, Zedekiah. Surrender, and you will live. Rebel, and you will die. The same gospel we give day after day. If you surrender to Jesus Christ, you will live. If you rebel against the King of kings and the Lord of all lords, that you will surely die. Jesus said that to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that is the word for us today. So here the, the message is the same. Turn to the Lord. And we see as we read in verse 19 that Zedekiah the king said to Jeremiah, I'm afraid of the Jews who have defected to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hand and they abuse me. So he fears man over fearing God. He's only concerned about his own hide. He's only concerned of what's going to happen to me. And you see, for us here tonight, listen, is very important. That as we see the, the problems and the challenges and the difficulties and the turmoil gathering around us, 
in our culture and in our lives. And it's very important to remember that we are to fear God over fearing man. It was Paul the Apostle that said in the book of Galatians that if I fear man over fearing God as he was dealing with those Judaizers that were coming against them, he said, I can't be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. It was the apostles in the book of Acts, as you read chapters 4 and 5, that they were arrested and they were told, do not speak the name of Jesus anymore in Jerusalem. You filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and they said, if we have to obey man or God, we're going to obey God. And they said, we can't help but declare what we have seen and heard. They are obedient to God because they fear God over fearing man. And we are to be ones that to make the decision that I am to fear you, Lord, over fearing man. But if we fear man over fearing God, then we're going to be pulled away from the Lord. We're going to be deceived and we can't be used of the Lord. So here he's only concerned about what's going to happen to me, not what's going to happen to the people. He's not concerned about the city. Um, And Jeremiah said in verse 20, they shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord, which I speak to you. So it shall be well with you and your soul shall live. Jeremiah saying, don't worry about them. You be concerned about what the Lord is telling you because his word is true to you. And his word is true to you and to me as well. He says, if you obey the Lord, then it will be well with your soul. Doesn't it remind you of that old hymn? All all of us, I'm sure most of us know, it is well with my soul. And and the writer of that song, that old hymn, he, of course, went through loss and difficulties when he wrote that. But it is well with our souls as we just look to the Lord and trust in the Lord and obey the Lord. And as we continue here in verse uh, 21, but if you refuse to surrender, this is the word that the Lord has shown me. Now behold, all of the women who are left in the kings of Judah's house shall be surrendered to the king of Babylon's princes. And those women shall say, your close friends have set upon you and prevailed against you. Your feet have sunk in the mire and they have turned away again. So they shall surrender all your wives and children to the Chaldeans. You shall not escape from their hand, but shall be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon. And you shall cause this city to be burned with fire. And then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, let no one know of these words and you shall not die. So we see here that uh, the, the concubines are going to mock the king, but Zedekiah said, obey, it will be well. And, and um, Jeremiah remained in the city until the fall of, Jeru- of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. Uh, verse 25, but if the princes hear that I have talked with you and they come to you and say to you, declare to us now what you have said to the king and also what the king said to you, do not hide it from us and we will not put you to death. And then you shall say to them, I presented my request before the king that he would not make me return to Jonathan's house to die there. Then all the princes came to Jeremiah and asked them, and he told them according to all these words that the king had commanded. So they stopped speaking with him, for the conversation had not been heard. Now Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken, and he was there when Jerusalem was taken." And then in chapter 39, in the ninth year, Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem and besieged it. In the eleventh year, Zedekiah, in the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the city was penetrated. So we see that Jeremiah's declaration of doom over all these years that have been ignored by the kings, by the religious leaders, by the people of Judah, all of a sudden is coming true. 
that destruction is coming and the fall of Jerusalem is upon them. Uh, according to historians, as, as Jeremiah gives this detailed account how the city was sieged and destroyed, the, kind, the final conflict began in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign in the tenth month. It is also recorded in three other places in the Old Testament. And so the siege, as historians go back to the calendar, it is believed began on January 15th, 588 B.C. The city would be penetrated on July 18th, 586 B.C., and the entire siege would last 30 months. That's two and a half years. God warned of doom, and the people ignored it until the day came when they would experience the judgment of the Babylonians. It is amazing how people ignore the warnings of the Lord. And the Lord gives warnings all throughout his word, doesn't he? And he's told us, as we have just mentioned in the previous chapter, that if you surrender to the king, that is to the king of kings, and the Lord of all lords, it shall be well with your soul. But if not, judgment is going to come. And how many people rebel against that? How many people tell us not to say that? Uh, how many people in, will say that you're not speaking that which is truth? And yet, what Jeremiah said came to pass. And we know that the Lord gives warnings that there is eternal separation apart from him. You see, we give the good news that you don't have to be separated from God. But we also know that there is warnings that we give to people that hell is real and judgment for sin is real. If you don't turn to the Lord, you will find yourself separated from him. But Jesus took the judgment for us on Calvary's cross. And we know that as we surrender to him that we shall live. So we have good news to give. But also there's warning. We know that there's going to be a time in history where God will pour out his wrath on a Christ-rejected world during the tribulation period. And yet people don't want to hear it. They, they want to ignore it and, and all of this. And we need to be ones that we are taking heed to the word of God. And, you know, words of comfort have been given to us because we as the church, we're not going to go through that time of judgment. The tribulation period, Daniel's 70th week. And remember that when Paul, when he wrote about the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that you recall that it was uh, Paul that said, comfort one another with these words. So we can be comforted with words of hope that are given to us, but there's also warning. We, we've been given warnings of what is going to happen. God pours out his wrath in a Christ rejected world in the tribulation period. What happens when somebody rejects Jesus as their Lord and Savior? So here it's coming to pass. And these princes in verse 3 here in, of, of Babylon came and sat in the middle gate. Sergal Zarezer. Um, and then we also have some of the others that are mentioned here. Now, um, the first one that's mentioned here is also known as Neraglasser. Uh, Neraglasser would become the king of Babylon after Nebuchadnezzar. You see, Nebuchadnezzar is going to rule after the destruction of Jerusalem for a while. You go to the book of Daniel, after the destruction of Jerusalem, what we see is Nebuchadnezzar goes insane for seven years. We read about that in Daniel chapter 4. He comes out of that sanity and then he gives his testimony to the world. You can read about that, um, his testimony. I think that he comes to truly believe in the Lord, and, and we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. Um, and Nebuchadnezzar would die 
After that, Evil Merodach becomes the king. How would you like to have that name? He becomes the king, um, and then his reign would only be for a short time, and then after him is Nergalasser. And Nergalasser, he is one that would reign for, I believe, four years, and then his son came on for a short time. Uh, he's beaten to death, and then it was Nabonibus that became the king, along with Belshazzar. They're both co-rulers in the kingdom. Archaeology has confirmed that. And then Daniel chapter 5, we see that they would offer Daniel, who would interpret the handwriting on the wall, to be the third ruler. So you see that after the death of Nebuchadnezzar, that you see the decline of Babylon. It's just interesting to look at all that. So here we see that the warning has been given not to rebel against uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And we read in verse 4, so it was then Zedekiah, the king of Judah and all the men of war saw them that they fled and went out of the city by night by way of the king's garden by the gate between the two walls and he went out by the way of the plain but the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho that's down by the Dead Sea and when they had captured him they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon to Riblah that's up in Syria in the land of Hamath where he pronounced judgment on him. And then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes in Riblah. And the king of Babylon also killed all the nobles of Judah. And moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with bronze fetters to carry him off to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was an individual you didn't mess with. You didn't rebel against him. And here Zedekiah rebelled against him, but more importantly, he rebelled against the Lord and the word of the Lord. And he tries to escape. He was told by the Lord not to do that. He is captured. He's taken up to Riblah, north of Jerusalem. And he has his sons that are killed right before him. That's the last thing that he saw. Then his eyes are plucked out, and he's taken off to Babylon where he's held captive. You see, Ezekiel, in chapter 12, verse 13, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, that it speaks of, of him being captured. And I will also spread my net over him. That's speaking of Zedekiah. He shall be caught in my snare, and I will bring him to Babylon. That's Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 13. To the land of the Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it, though he shall die there. So it's true what Ezekiel says. He's not going to see Babylon. Jeremiah says he's going to see the king. So some people think there's a contradiction there. There's no contradiction. He's taken to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he has his two sons killed before him, and then he plucks out his eye, and he's taken to Babylon, but he didn't see Babylon because he's blinded. Listen, here's the important lesson. You rebel against God and the word of the Lord. Live your life in disobedience. You're going to live in sin What's going to happen is going to end up putting you in captivity. And you're going to be all bound up and you're going to end up being blinded. And that's what we see here happen to Zedekiah. It didn't have to happen. But people who are in rebellion against the Lord, it ends up blinding them and binding them and putting them in that captivity. And here is the other thing to always remember, that sin's just not about you. It affects a whole lot of people. It affects your family, the people that are linked to you in your life. Sometimes I have those who are deceived, and they'll come to me and say, well, I, I'm involved in a sin, but I'm not hurting anyone. Uh, no one needs to know about it. And if you think that, you're deceived. Because your sin will find you out. 
And when you're involved in sin and carnality, that it affects a whole lot of people around you. It affects your kids. It affects your spouse. It affects the people that love you. So it's a loving father that says, don't get involved in sin because it's just bad news and it will do you in, wipe you out, and hurt a whole lot of people, not just you. And as we continue in verse 8, and the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the houses of the people with fire and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away the people to Babylon. The remnant of the people who remained in the city and those who defected to him with the rest of the people who remained, but Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left in the land of Judah and the poor people who had nothing to give them vineyards and fields at the same time. So only the poor of the land is left to grow the crops to feed the soldiers. And then we see as we finish the chapter that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, saying, Take him and look after him and do him no hard, but do to him just as he says to you. And Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, sent um, Nebuchadnezzar and, and these other guys there, the kings of Babylon's chief officers, and then they sent someone to take Jeremiah from the court of the prison and committed him to get a lie to son of Aachim, uh, the son of Saphon, that he should take him home. So he dealt among the people. And meanwhile, the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go speak to Edomelech, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for adversity and not for good, and they shall be performed in that day before you. But I will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be given into the hand of men who, uh, of whom you are afraid. For I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be a prize to you, because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. Listen, Jeremiah is to go free. They had heard that Jeremiah had told and warned Zedekiah. So we're going to see that the Babylonians treat Jeremiah better than his own countrymen did. And Jeremiah gives a word to the Ethiopian eunuch that helped him, that the Lord says you don't have to be afraid of those men, but he's going to take care of you because you put your trust in the Lord. And that's the final word for us here tonight, that as we trust in the Lord, as we look to him and are faithful to him, that we don't have to be afraid of men, that we know that uh, he is going to uh, deliver us and, and we are in his hand. And we have an eternal promise that is so glorious uh, that awaits us, that the glory that awaits us, because we belong to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for these chapters that are sometimes hard to read, but there's lessons for us. And, Lord, we have a wonderful future ahead of us. And I pray that as we learn from Jeremiah, even though we have those who want to throw us into a pit or throw mud at us or, uh, Lord, come against us, that we would be true to you and that we would fear you over fearing men. As we see all the things around us that, uh, Lord, concern us, Lord, that you have a wonderful future for us. And I pray that we would keep our eyes on you, we would keep running our race, that we keep plowing and, 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 and planting, that we would, Lord, keep fighting the good fight of the Spirit. And Lord, give us strength and, and put people into our lives to encourage us. We thank you so much for these words here. 
you have an eternal plan for us who belong to you, but also that as we give the word of the Lord, that we would be faithful to do that, even when it includes warning. So, Lord, uh, I pray you bless everyone here now. Thank you for this study that we've had tonight. And, and Lord, bless the rest of our week. Looking forward to when we meet on Sunday. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Remember to register for services on Sunday. Hope to see you then.